Welcome back to The Good Play, a podcast about NBC's The Good Place. My name is Brianna, and with me on the line, she's the caterer to the stars. It's my sister, Marissa. <laughs> Wait, what was his... Brain Man was his fake professor. Cookswell. Cookswell. <laughs> <laughs> Michael's aliases are the best thing about season three so far. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So, a little bit of housekeeping up front before we get to the recap. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and at goodplay.cast.rocks. If you would like to rate and review us on iTunes, that would be lovely. Uh, Get you some good place points that way. You can also follow us on Facebook. We have a group called The Good Play. Twitter, at The Good Play Pod. Marissa does the weekly recaps, like live tweeting of the show. We gotta find. We gotta find out who I. I put out a poll about Cookswell versus Brain Man. Oh okay. my goodness, it's a dead heat. It's fifty fifty now. Only six people voted, but <laughs> three people think Cookswell is the better fake surname, and three people think Brain Man is the better fake surname. Well, if you have an opinion, listeners, you can get at us, and you can email us your opinion too at thegoodplaypod at gmail dot com. So this is like obviously the great questions of our day you know like what does it mean to be human what does it mean to be good us versus them me versus us and cookswell versus brain man uh so i'm we're gonna be doing something a little different i'm gonna be doing the recap because marissa's feeling a little under the weather today when you have small children and it is lower than 80 degrees outside and it is also back to school time yeah Yeah. you basically will just have a cold from october to april well whenever whenever it's not baseball season it's cold (laughs) season uh and you know when you are 30 and you live alone and uh yeah, but you live in the in the most densely populated city in the country. I do get. You should colds, be picking like, up. You should be picking up everything from the subway. That's true. I do get colds. When I first moved here, I got a cold like every three months, just from like, you know, putting my bare hand where somebody else put their bare hand on the subway pole <laughs> or whatever. And now you wear latex gloves everywhere you go. <laughs> I do not. But and there was actually your children, your older child went through a phase where he just stuck his hands in my mouth. So I used to get sick a lot from that, too. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so I'm going to be doing the recap. Um, and Marissa, feel free, obviously, to chime in. Um, I will do my best. Usually you do a very good job with these. So I will try to, to keep the listeners entertained as How you How kind do. of you to say that on today, the holiest of days, St. <laughs> Plupington's Day. <laughs> yeah, I was going to get to that. Happy St. Plupington's Day, everyone. (laughs) This is a good thing to add to our repertoire because for extremely obscure reasons that I don't think we should explain, we sometimes just yell, Happy St. Blaze Day. (laughs) (laughs) But now if we want to, that's if we want to be like intense. But now if we want to be frivolous, we can say Happy St. Plupington's Day. We also have a family holiday, which is also for an obscure reason, called Shemot of Achetzi, which is eight and a half in Hebrew. Yes. <laughs> which is not a real holiday, for those of you who are wondering. If your Jewish coworker ever says, I can't come to work on Friday because it's Shemot of Achetzi, they are lying to you. And they know us because we're the <laughs> only people us. who... Anyway... <laughs> 
So, um, happy St. Poopingtons. <laughs> we are going into the recap for um, season three, episode three, or episode four, depending on how you count, but I'm counting this as episode three. The Snowplow. So we pick up directly after the last episode left off with Michael and Janet escaping that, like, catwalk, you know, where the doorman is. And they escaped uh, Maya Rudolph, the judge, and they went back to Earth. And Michael immediately starts freaking out. He's, like, very, as Marissa would say, sweaty in this whole episode. And he's also very extra. <laughs> he's so extra, as the kids would say. <laughs> oh, I love slang. So, you sound like Michael. (laughs) So, Michael has the doorman's key, and it starts ringing because Judge Jen is using the key as a video communications device. Uh, And she's like, you know, Maya Rudolph making her most of, like, the 30 (laughs) seconds she has. He's like, I've never been this angry in my life, which is the age of the universe. Like, she's really uh, pissed at them. And Michael says they're not coming back until they save the souls of the four humans, and Jen kind of warns them, like... You know, don't even come back, because if you do, I'm going to be waiting for you. They are eventually going to have to come back. I mean, I don't I don't like to talk about the end of the human race, but it will happen at some point. Yeah. (laughs) And Jen, I feel like Jen's got like a long memory. She'd have a long memory. So Janet and Michael find an office that has been abandoned in at chidi's college where he's where he's teaching and it's the journalism department (laughs) like the journalism school and i was like ooh, that's a that yeah i think michael says like bad for them good for us or something bad for humans good for us it's australia so i don't know if i would oh you know rupert murdoch is actually australian Ooh, i didn't know the one time i went to australia somebody i think point i can't remember if someone actually pointed out his mansion to me or if every mansion I saw, I believed was Rupert Murdoch's. The yeah. latter is more likely, I think. Probably. Probably. <laughs> Knowing me. But, um, um, but Rupert Murdoch is, is, is Australian. And I, and I that. think that I think that um, a lot of the English-speaking countries have been having major problems with journalism. Yeah. So they have to keep the group together, basically, and track their progress without, without the use of their supernatural abilities. But Janet is able to somehow set them up with, like, a video and audio link into Chidi's office with some of the, like, discarded computers from the journalism school. So we cut to Chidi's office through that video link, uh, and Chidi's announcing that Trevor dropped out of the study via an email, and Michael was like, (laughs) that was me to Janet, because it's basically like, I'm a stupid person. and I have to go home and, like, cry myself to sleep in my mommy's arms or something something like that. Yeah, something like that. But, like... You know, Eleanor isn't quite making progress, and she's kind of, like, farting and blaming it on her chair, and just, like, being the Eleanor that we saw at the (laughs) beginning of, like, season one, that kind of person. It's so relatable, though. (laughs) Um, Simone announces that the funding from the... She comes in, and she announces that the funding uh, from the neuroscience department came through, and she brought cupcakes in to celebrate, and Jason's like, you blew all the funding on cupcakes? That's exactly what I would have done. Like, he's just, what a (laughs) dum-dum. So Eleanor, like, tries to turn down a cupcake because she's like, oh, I'm not into that. I'm not so into group activities. And Simone. Oh, like, my God. Simone, I, I love, love you. I love her. I love her. I'm sorry. She's just like, get over yourself and eat I, one. I am still a huge Chillinger's shipper. And also, Simone is the best. Yeah. She's arguably better than both of them. Like, if things don't work, like, you know, I... Uh, 
if, if things don't work out with them, like I would be open to dating Simone, <laughs> you know. <laughs> anyway, I turns like... out my sexuality is Simone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Basically, um, better than Trevor, right? She's be a step up. You oh know, my in, god, in she's twelve thousand of... steps up from Trevor, right? So they take a group picture together, and then we see this a few times in the episode. It cuts to three months later and they do this kind of like interstitial thing where you see like little snippets of what's happening in those three months so in the interstitials we see the group kind of like participating in the study in Shidi study and then also doing these like group ethics lessons together so three months later Eleanor asks Chidi where she can get a part-time job because she's super broke because she didn't plan on being in Australia for that long but she like doesn't have that many skills so he doesn't. Quite- I feel like maybe this should be safe for discussion. Maybe put a pin in this, but I feel like introducing the logistics of how Eleanor was able to stay in Australia financially was a mistake because it just opened too many questions about how all of them were able to stay in Australia for a year. Yeah, let's put a pin in that. Yeah, but you're right. So Michael doesn't want Eleanor to get a job because, like. He starts worrying that it'll slow down her progress and she won't be able to study with the group. And so Michael and Janet go to like a convenience store and Janet's like, I don't know about this. And Michael says that they're just acting like a snowplow and they're clearing a path for Eleanor so that she can stay on the road to improvement. And Janet's like, oh, well, in that case, that's okay. And Right. So Janet's ulterior motive here, which is very clear throughout the episode, is that she desperately wants Jason to make it into the good place. Yes. She cares about the other humans, but not the way that Michael does. Michael loves all four of them. He loves Eleanor best. He probably loves Chidi second best. Yeah. Um, but he still loves Tani and Jason. You know, they're all sort of like his kids in a way. Yeah. For Janet, she's more, she's very focused on Jason and she's going along with mo- everything that Michael says really because she wants Jason to succeed ultimately. Yeah. And so Janet uses, Janet doesn't have her supernatural abilities, but she remembers um, enough from when she did have them that she is able to pick a winning lottery ticket for Eleanor and also like really creep out the guy behind the counter who's selling them. I loved every time she did this. Me too. I thought it was great. She was like, She's like, oh, and the woman you thought was your mother's act or your aunt is actually your mother. Bye. Like, she's just so funny. And so Eleanor, they just they just like leave this lottery ticket outside knowing that Eleanor is going to pick it up. Right. It actually would have been interesting if she hadn't because she didn't. You know what I mean? Like, oh, somebody or if lost she found that it ticket. was a winner and she decided that she had to turn it in or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like she actually made progress, but she hasn't made the progress that she needs to make. So she fa- finds it. She picks it up. Um, she tells the group that she won $18,000 and Tahani was like, oh, better luck next time. I thought that and was then hysterical. She's, and then the, the, everyone else in the room is like cheering and screaming. And then Tahani goes, and now I see from context that that is a large sum of money. Yeah. Oh, my God. Amazing. So, again, we're cutting to three months after that. And from the interstitials, we can tell that it's holiday time. So, like... I didn't see this. I don't have good enough eyes, I don't think. But apparently, the AV Club mentioned that Janet and Michael's little surveillance room is, like, all decked out in Christmas and Hanukkah decorations. Yeah, I saw that. 
Um, very cute. But I also, because I watched it on NBC.com, so I was able to pause it and stuff. Right. Um, but, you know, Eleanor is actually getting into the holiday spirit. It's kind of cute. So we're cutting to the study group after that interstitial, and Jason is annoyed because he can't watch the Jaguars game in real time, and he doesn't understand time zones. Uh, it's like I'm in a different zone of time no that's silly and what was what is the thing he actually comes up with uh clockland yeah. <laughs> oh my god so i know what a dumb dumb i love jason um and so tahani like offers to watch the game with him and she admits to eleanor that it's not because she's interested in football it's because she's you know wants to get some basically uh, that's okay to say, right? That's fine. <laughs> Family podcast. So Eleanor actually like doesn't judge her and is basically like, he's a total hottie, which we've heard her say before to yes. Janet. Um, but Michael is the one who's like worried that it's going to mess any- something up. Um, and which like, I-, I don't know that he needed to be that worried about this because... Yes, this is another instance of him being very extra. Very, <laughs> but this is extra. like you. We mentioned this last week. Like he's a he's an extreme meddler by nature, he's, and, and he's he like just, unable metal, metal, metal. to. He has no chill. He is like unable to chill. Like he just can't in be cool. In fairness, if you were cut off from your homeland <laughs> in a place that didn't know you really existed, and if you returned to your homeland, you would be summarily executed over the course of millions of years. Like. I probably would have no chill to. Yeah, yeah, that's probably true. But he's just not, I mean, and we'll get to this, but he's just not willing to, like, let anything play out. He has to control every single bit. Yeah, that's the whole point of the episode, basically. Which he always has been that way. He's been that way since the pilot. But um, we just didn't know it at the time. But so, um, you know, he tells Janet that they kind of have to interfere. And Janet says, it makes me slightly uneasy to interfere with the personal lives of the man I'm secretly in love with and a woman I admire. But if you say so, like, she clearly yeah. is okay doing this because it means that she doesn't have to watch Tahani hook up with Jason. So Janet also wants to get him Daisy Dukes, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> um, so... Tahani goes to a bar, and this to me was the best part. She runs into Larry Hemsworth, which the is the secret fourth Hemsworth brother he- who we've heard yes. mentioned several times. Yes, who um, Tahani, when she's having couples counseling with Janet and Jason in the last season, she mentions that she has quote dallied below her station, and um, <laughs> she has dated a a non-famous Hemsworth brother, but that was about as low as she would go. Um, You know, he's clearly in the shadow of all of his brothers and is like very... Even though he's a pediatric surgeon. (laughs) He's a pediatric surgeon who's like gorgeous and tall and buff. He has an eight pack. (laughs) He's like ridiculous. He's like, of course, he's like everybody's dream man, but he's not Thor. So like, you know... I think it was Ian who wrote in to say that he should be ranked second, that it should be Thor first then Larry. <laughs> By and the then, way, my husband asked me if Larry was real. I was like, no, honey, <laughs> no. No, Larry Hemsworth is not real. He like looked up on IMDb and was Aww. like, he's got this different this actor's name. I was like, yeah, no, there is no Larry Hemsworth. And then I think <laughs> under Larry would come the, wait, who was it that was in the Ghostbusters movie? Chris. That's Thor. Oh, okay. It's the same guy. Uh-oh. <laughs> 
I don't think I know all three of them. I know that one was in Hunger Games. I think he comes yes. last, but I don't know really? who's... All right, let's... Well, then who's the other one? I don't know. So oh, there's Luke. <laughs> oh, they all have L names. Yes. No, Luke. not Chris. Oh, you're right. Luke, Liam, and uh, Chris. So Chris is number one, Obvs. Obvs. <laughs> who's Luke? <laughs> Who is Luke Hemsworth? Luke Hemsworth, Wikipedia. I'm sorry, guys. This is like a total. <laughs> he was the one. Oh, my gosh. He was in Thor Ragnarok. That's really funny. Okay. I didn't see that. Um, Not as like as a fake Thor, I think, for like a hot second. So I guess he's last. He's if we last. Can't even, if we can't Luke even come up with something he was in. No, Luke is last because I think he... Hasn't really. I think he's probably famous in. Uh, oh, he's in. Oh, he. Oh, he's in Westworld. Yeah, I've never. Yeah, he's last. Uh, Liam. Is he like a robot in Westworld? I don't know. I've never seen Westworld, but Liam. I'm was, looking at these pictures. Yeah, no. Liam's the one who. He's definitely. He's definitely under Larry. Yeah. <laughs> so Liam's the one who was in the Hunger Games and yeah. also so I guess he dated. He dated Miley Cyrus. Right, that be- does become something of a plot point. Yeah. So it's Chris, Larry, Liam, and Luke, basically, <laughs> in our categorization. Anyway, we meet Larry Hemsworth. He's like a total catch, but he doesn't realize it. So Janet is behind the bar, and when the manager approaches her to be like, who are you? Um, which, like, I still have a question of, like, how they're managing all this without their superpowers, but, like, whatever, supernatural powers. She tells him, like, a very personal thing about his ex-wife, and he kind of, like, scurries off. So the next day at the study session, Tahani tells Elnor that she got together with Larry, that she feels bad for neglecting Jason, but Jason doesn't seem to mind because he got an invitation to the Australia chapter. (laughs) Oh my god, he's such a ding-dong. The Australia chapter of the Jacksonville Jaguars fan club, and so he's, like, decked out in full body paint and, like, with a wig on and stuff. So he's, like, Luke totally Hemsworth. fine. And Luke Hemsworth is very weathered. I don't mind that. I ain't mad at it. So you're saying you would kick none of the Hemsworth brothers out of bed? <laughs> no. I mean, you can see my face right now. <laughs> I had a moment where I was like, in what scenario would I even be, like, near enough to the Hemsworth brothers? I think if any single one of them spoke to me, I'd be like, ha, ha, ha. Like, I just... <laughs> And listen, we could also do of the famous Chris's. Chris Hemsworth. Can we? No. Yeah. Is on the no. bottom of that list for me. But even that isn't a, really a thing because, you Chris know. Chris Pine. I know. He's your man. Chris Pine. <sighs> I know. I know. Uh, I mean, listen, I get it. So we're cutting again to six months after that. So it's been basically a year. Um, so we see in the interstitial that Eleanor is singing happy to birthday to Chidi, which is actually something that when it was she was so cute, Chidi's face lit up like a, I know. just a, like a marquee. It was adorable. I know, but this was actually something that she was initially when she didn't want to take the celebratory cupcake. She's like, there's nothing worse than like that off key note of all of your coworkers singing happy oh, birthday yeah, good to you. Point. I totally missed that. Yeah. And now she's of course a year later or nine months later or whatever, singing happy birthday to Chidi. Um, so clearly like she's grown, um, but not enough as we'll see soon. And you know, their tech has gotten better. I couldn't figure that one out. If it was just like, here's like 
technology a year later or if this was michael interfering no this was interference they he said at one point that he wanted to this was when janet said she wanted to get daisy dukes for oh yeah you're right michael said he he, they they need new computers and that was when Mm -hmm. janet was like and also jason needs short shorts so he can study better right so tahani announces that larry hemsworth proposed and they're moving back to london and everybody's really happy for her i would kill to go to the wedding of Dahani Aljamil and Larry Hemsworth. Yeah, we would sneak in as caterers to the stars. That is exactly what we would do. <laughs> I am Marissa Cookswell. <laughs> yes. And this is my associate, Brianna Bigswell. <laughs> so we, so like everyone's actually really happy for them, but Michael is like, no, like we have to stop snow plowing. And this was the greatest Janet goes, okay, so I shouldn't give Blake Beardles. <laughs> she has a giant bear, like stuffed bear with a Jacksonville Jaguars uh, jersey on named that she named Blake Beardles. <laughs> She's like, I shouldn't give this to Jason. I thought that was really funny. So Tahani invites everybody to a, quote, casual, like, engagement party. Which, you know, her, everyone is, arrives, like, dripping in diamonds, basically. Except for our the study protagonist. Group. Yeah. Yeah. And she she something tells of every- a community shout out to call them the study group. By yeah, the way. you're right. So this house is like completely like it looks like her house from the it was old uncanny. neighborhood. So she she said she found out on Airbnb, but H E I R B N B, which so shouts great. to the writing team that made me laugh a lot. Um, so she introduces everybody to Larry, and he's sort of like still putting himself down. Uh, and Eleanor and Chidi are like, D- does he know what he looks like? Like, yeah. oh my God. You know, he's like this perfect specimen of a man. Jason, you know, unthinkingly, because he never thinks, asks a question about Liam. Larry gets upset. Tahani goes after him and she goes, you're important too. Fixing baby spines is just as important as acting. Uh. Uh. <laughs> and... So at the house, Janet and Michael are undercover as caterers. Janet's sort of the voice of reason here. And she's like, maybe we should just let them live. And like, maybe Tahani should go to London. And like, maybe that's okay. And we can just like stop meddling and let them live their lives. But Michael convinces her that like, if the group splits up, then they're all doomed. And so Michael and Janet try to convince Larry to stay but he thinks that they're from a tabloid, and so he, he accuses them of being from TMZ. That's really funny. <laughs> um, and so Eleanor um, asks, or Chidi and Simone. Also, I mean, it's worth it's worth mentioning that Eleanor. Oh, sorry, you're about to get to it. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Eleanor asks Chidi and Simone about getting a new study group member, basically. Um, Chidi says that they're stopping basically so they can apply for more grants and Simone says that they would need to repeat the study with new subjects I guess to see if like there's some commonalities between different groups of people how in God's name do they expect to be able to find people who've had a near-death experience and would be willing to just go live in Australia for a year yeah I mean this whole thing is kind of implausible to me but shrug emoji i don't i don't really know the answer to that um but like eleanor is taken aback by this and she's clearly bummed and like she kind of tries to cover it up but it's really clear she doesn't have anything else in her life going on 
um, you know, Tahani is getting engaged and Chidi and Simone have this thing going on and... Jason DGAF. <laughs> yeah, Jason, like, would be happy, like, literally wherever, as long as he can because watch he the Jaguars game. he's the simple child. He's the he's simple, the simple child. child. So nobody else is as bothered as Eleanor is by all this breaking up. You know, Michael's upset, and so he tells Janet he'll deal with Eleanor, and Janet says she'll deal with, quote, sweet cheeks, which we never see. We never see her interact with Jason. Yeah, Which I was point. kind of, uh, I wonder if they had it and cut it out or something. I don't know. Yeah, these epi- it's hard to make time, I think, a lot of yeah. time, in a lot of these episodes. So Michael approaches Eleanor. She's pouring herself a drink and he offers her shrimp and she's like, always. And I was like, that's my girl. And, you know, she's... By the way, <laughs> Kristen Bell is either a vegan or a vegetarian, so they have to craft her fake shrimp for all these scenes oh, really? with the shrimp. Uh-huh. Huh. They're like soy nuggets or something. Oh, wow. They do a great job making them look like shrimp. I'll tell you that. They look great. (laughs) Um, So she's upset, you know, that she has to start over. And he says that he knows how she feels because he basically gives this, like, whole speech about how, like, you know, when you feel like your world is closing in around you. And she's like, are you sure you're a caterer? And he's like, it's a very competitive business. (laughs) That was so funny. (laughs) And, you know, he encourages her to just tell the group how much they mean to her you know, he's sort of like, I bet you they're all thinking the same thing and they're just like waiting for someone else to say it so they don't have to put themselves out there. So she, you know, Tahani starts making a toast to the group and brings out a cake with the group photo on it that they took with the cupcakes like yeah, a year ago. Back a year ago. And she basically. Or nine months or whatever. Yeah, yeah, Tahani very sweetly is like, if I hadn't been a part of this study. And I didn't get out of my own way. And I didn't get out of the spotlight of my get out of the spotlight tour. (laughs) Um, Then I never would have reconnected with Larry. And I wouldn't have you guys as my friends. And so thank you so much. And she invites Eleanor up to say a few words. And Eleanor uses this time to ask the group basically to stay and keep going with the study. Chidi is like, we just talked about this. And Tahani's like (laughs) trying to skirt it because she's like too much of a good host to like you know, uh, actually humiliate Eleanor. But she's like, thank you, Eleanor. That was lovely. She just ignores it. And Chidi's like, hey, listen, you know, I said we were going to like pump the brakes. And Eleanor becomes a version of herself that we haven't seen in a long time. So this was actually kind of painful for me to watch where she gets really defensive and like her back's kind of up against the wall, or at least she feels like it is. And she starts kind of insulting people and she's like, I get it. You don't need me. I don't need you either. Like, whatever. And so... Um, yeah, this is like, you know, the Eleanor who wants to take the cocaine train to Mindyville. Yeah, this is... Yeah. and Maybe worse, actually. I would actually say this is like season one, Eleanor. This is like... You should see Kendall Jenner's Instagram feed. <laughs> and actually, the the good place, the actual good place Twitter account had like a side-by-side of this and the episode in the first season where she punches through the cake. Yeah, I mean, in fairness, she punched through the cake to, to save to... them. Yeah. yeah. So even that was, like, better. But so she she basically rips her own photo off the cake, like, her herself out it of the photo. She just reaches down. I mean, the cake looked good. I wanted that cake. I know. I, if I have to tear my own face off to get... <laughs> that part of the cake i'll do it and 
Um, so she makes a scene and she says, Mary St. Plupington's Day, like, you know. she's making fun of, t- she's doing Tahani's British accent, yes. which I will never get tired of. It yes. is like my favorite thing. Oh, hello. I'm just yeah. a giant giraffe. Yeah, it's that. And Michael and Janet exchange a look like, oh gosh, we really, we forked things up here. So later, Simone goes outside and finds Eleanor hiding behind a potted plant, like eating the piece of cake from her hand. <laughs> and she's this great line about how she called a cab and it's going to be here. Like, it's a few kilometers away. And and when Simone, like, corrects her, she goes, is that why you came out here to scold me about the metric system? And that delivery was amazing. Yes. And, you know, Eleanor asks Simone why she thinks she might have thrown a fit inside and simone because she's like you're a brain person and yeah. Simone's like i'm a neuroscientist i think you want a child psychologist and yeah that like, was no, a burn that was a burn that was a good burn and you know ultimately simone isn't able to be as petty as eleanor is and she says that humans have to overcome obstacles, me versus us, which is like, I'm going to sacrifice a little of my personal freedom for the benefit of the group. And then us versus them, which is like, we have to try to see others as equals. And I thought that was actually an interesting point. I, I think that's I think that's fairly like well-accepted doctrine at this point. Yeah. But, but she says that most humans kind of have the me versus us thing down. But Eleanor doesn't. Yeah. And she says that, yeah, Eleanor didn't really get much past me versus us. And she asks if, you know, she had ever been part of a group that she really cared about before this group. And and the answer is no. So Simone guesses that Eleanor just really bonded with this group and she's scared of being alone again. Or she's, quote, just a bit of a dick. Which I thought (laughs) was really funny. And, you know, Eleanor says me needs to go apologize to us. And she gives Simone a hug. And again, I love Simone. I think she's fantastic. I'm concerned about her. What do you mean? So Eleanor had called a car. She let Simone take the car and goes back in. The cliche thing to do at that point would be like for that car to get into an accident or something. Oh, no. I mean, I hope I'm totally off base there. Or maybe there's a demon in the car. Or it could be. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't really think about that. So Eleanor apologizes to the group and she says she's going to miss them. And they agree to a yearly reunion like next year in Jacksonville. And, <laughs> and you know. it's sinking into the sea. Yeah. And Jason's like, we might not want to wait a year because it's sinking really fast. And so this is the point at which like we've seen everybody improve and it's you know improve a normal amount yeah i mean i think that unfortunately we know that the requirements to get into the good place are so absurd that none of them still they're all better people and that's great but still none of them are getting into the good place yeah like tahani is gonna just be self-obsessed and rich and wealthy with like a rich wealthy i rich and wealthy is the same thing i meant like rich and famous like She's going to be rich and famous and self-obsessed with a rich and famous husband. So, like, that's not going to get any better. But she's going to be happier. You know, she's sort of out of the shadow of her sister or whatever. But, yeah, none of them is is going to get into the good place, I don't think. So Michael's sort of increasingly desperate at this point. She He's trying to think of a way to keep them together. Janet tries to tell him that he can't just reset everything. He 
sort of spouts off this like ridiculous plan to reset the whole thing and let's do it over again like the way that he used to do with his neighborhoods and she's not really on board but he tries to convince janet that they have to try something because like this is all that they have left and just he says he's gonna break into the judge's office and try to figure out how to reset time which good luck i don't think and so just as they open the door to the afterlife the humans enter they're in a wine cellar and at uh, tahani's house the humans enter and eleanor goes what the hell is that and then the show ends and it's just the cockroaches it's so simone has taken the car that was supposed to be eleanor's and i don't know where larry is probably crying about not being liam so yeah like a lot of this this is the twist that was alluded to remember yeah 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 so a lot of the stuff in this was really i found a lot of like the one-liners and stuff really funny i have a little bit of whiplash i think this episode and the previous episode were a little too frenetic and sweaty and desperate for me to really enjoy yeah um you know this show is no stranger to time jumps and stuff but i thought that the way i didn't necessarily mind that we were jumping around in time but like it just it didn't feel like this twist was as earned as some of the other ones maybe i don't know Yeah, it wasn't the best episode i mean i think it was a solid b yeah um, I mean, I again, do wanna... it's Go hard ahead. because it's hard because like even when this show is a B, it's better than like so many other shows. And yeah, I, I mean, really I'm enjoy the watching person it. who has to sit through the end of Superstore every week so that I can be ready <laughs> to live tweet. And every week, it's like, Ugh, this is like normal sitcom stuff, and it's so painful. I think Ben Feldman's adorable, but that's the only thing I really people like can be adorable show. and in terrible shows. That's true. That's like true. that guy who was on Charmed, and that other guy who Brian Krause. I loved Brian Krause. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, I just got really excited about Brian Krause. <laughs> she secretly kind of loved Charmed, but whatever. I... <laughs> it's coming back. Oh uh, no! Stop. So and, and nope. there. Wait, wait, nope. wait. Can I just say one thing about Charmed? So their slogan, like their yeah. tag, their tagline is "Stronger Together," and so <laughs> well, like. Hillary Clinton. Yeah. And so like somebody I follow on Twitter was like, why is why does <laughs> Charmed have the same slogan as Hillary Clinton? Are they gonna make her is, are they gonna make Hillary Clinton a canonical witch? I mean, Alyssa Milano is like very oh political God. now, so <laughs> who knows? <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Uh at the risk of veering into that whole all that nonsense. <laughs> Let's not. Yes. So, yeah, the logistics give me spielkas. You know... Yeah, that's a great way to put it. (laughs) They made it a thing. I didn't make it a thing. This is not me being like, well, actually. Like, (laughs) because they made it a whole plot point with the lotto ticket. And, like, it's funny, but, like... Now I'm like, well, wait, how does Jason have the money to spend a year in Australia? He doesn't. He's been sleeping in dumpsters. <laughs> no, not the whole time, surely. He would have been... And not through... Look, Sydney has seasons. That's you can, true. You can't sleep in the dumpster in July in <laughs> Sydney. You know? Like, come on. And, like, at, like, how did they all have a visa to stay there for a year? You can't just go to australia for a year yeah. it doesn't work like that and and of course like 
you know, the other thing I'll say is like, it's one thing for us to believe that Michael or Janet could show up in the real world if they had, you know, their powers intact so that they could like sneak in and out undetected or like blah, blah, blah. But they make a real point of saying you're not going to have any of your powers. Janet is still able to like sneak around and find a, um, you know, like a, a bartending, like, out she's 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 not in her normal clothes like that no a, she's a, a barkeep's that's, uniform that's yeah. a uniform and she's able to get behind the bar without anybody noticing and um so you know same thing at the whatever uh ridiculous saloon they were at the week before with trevor like and you know i'm willing to suspend a certain amount of disbelief but if you're gonna keep making it a plot point that they don't have their supernatural abilities then for them to keep popping up in all these places you know and to somehow have the money to buy the most advanced computers i've ever seen that's what i mean like and i basically work in technology and they're still the most advanced computers i've ever seen um that's what i mean like if they had unlimited uh afterlife resources and could conjure this stuff up i would believe that or I would at least say, okay, that's not as, you know, that's not as far-fetched in the world of the show. But yeah, I just thought, and, you know, like, how did they cater that whole party? Oh, great question. <laughs> like, they were, it's it's not like they were pretending to be waiters and they were just stealing plates or of maids food. Or, or something, maids or yeah. like, or guests, right? Like, they could have snuck in on the guest list. You know, they could have pretended to be from TMZ. But they were cater. He's the caterer to the stars. So yeah, it. I I think I'm. It's a little hard to suspend all of that disbelief, and then for us to be back at a place where things are being shaken up all over again. You know, like if if we're gonna spend time on earth like let's spend time on earth i i didn't feel like i thought that what mike sure had said my memory of what he had said is that the majority of season three is on earth okay so maybe that's maybe you know so right so maybe the the majestic door it's actually kind of an ugly door maybe the (laughs) ugly supernatural door is just the way that they out themselves to these guys but they're they no, nobody's going through it. I mean, they. why would they want to go through it? It would mean basically dying, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. You know, and and one of the... I, ha- I picked out some reviews and stuff, which we can get to a little bit later if we want. But, you know, one of the reviews basically says that, like, they weren't... You know, intro- it introduces new dynamics and then immediately discards them before having fun with them. Like, I I said this last week in our 50th episode about Trevor, that I felt like, you know, yeah, he was, like, super hamming it up, but, like, they could have really done a lot with that character, and they just sort of, like, flicked him into space, and nobody, like, you know, after one episode. You kind of have to assume, based on the way that this has kind of felt like it's on fast forward, and it feels kind of desperate, that there is some point that they are desperately trying to get to so that they can have the season be at that point right yeah so season one lives inside this fake good place with all of them thinking it's real 
And season two lives inside the fake good place with all of them knowing it's fake. Uh, you know, and it took a couple episodes to get there in the second season. In the first season, it just kind of is there from the get-go. So it really does feel like they they must be trying to get to a place. Maybe the place is Earth with the knowledge that this is a different timeline. I don't know. Yeah. But they're trying to get to a place that can be like their equilibrium point that they can then like have sort of like the quote-unquote real adventures of the season. Yeah, that's a good point. Because all of this has felt very, I think I used this word in the in our uh, the episode about the premiere. It has all felt very table setting. Yeah, all of it still feels pretty. You know, like we just, you know, like oh, just stay with us. We just got to get to the good part. Um, and I don't know what that good part is at that at this point because I I can never predict what the show is going to do. But it has just sort of felt like, well, just stay with us, guys. Stay with us, guys. Like it's gonna. It's going to go somewhere. It's going to do something. Yeah. But to your point in the first episode, like I was willing to have that table setting for the pilot. But like, to your point, this is a significant chunk of the season now. Yeah. I mean, right. We're looking at what it's a 13 episode order. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, that's absurd. We are four. We're done with four. That's a third of the season that is gone, which, oh my God, the thought of that just sort of hit me like a dagger to the heart. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to get back to, like, rando months it's gonna be like, sooner than we want. Because it's Kristen Bell month. Which like, we love Kristen Bell obs, but... But I don't really want to watch that Netflix original movie where she's... Kelsey Grammer's her dad. No, but I don't But that's what either. I'm going to be doing. That's what I'm going to be doing. You know, I didn't listen to the um, Good Place, the podcast, this week. So I actually... I should have done that. Because I got some good information on the the premiere episode from that. So I'll make sure to do that for next week's episode. But yeah, I think I just, like, I'm getting a little impatient at this point. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. I would like it to... And I think some of it is like... <sighs> I I also think that this was the first episode where I thought I knew... I thought that the twist was going to be, and I wrote this down... What, to prove that that was what you had thought? No, no. Uh, no, I wrote this down um, in the discussion. I, that's all I meant. Was I thought, because Janet seems like really not on board with Michael's cuckoo bananas controlling kind of like, we have to do this. We have to do this. She At the end, she seemed like really not on board with it. And I kind of thought that she was going to, like, incapacitate him somehow and, like, oh, take him out of the game. Oh, which we've seen that she's able to do with Sean, right? Yeah. And, like, take him out of the game and basically, like, let them live a little bit. Or, like, I don't exactly know, but I think the Janet character in this episode and in the previous episode really is just, like, following Michael around. She's been stripped of all of her powers She's in this, like, really weird situation. She's clearly uncomfortable. And I thought, like, you know, if I were her and I put my trust in this guy and he seems to be, like, obviously... Yeah, she's, she's the one out of the six of them. She's the one who has the least agency. I mean, by a long shot, right? In this situation, she was, yeah. She was... Act- I mean, I think all, all, overall, but, like, yeah. she was activated by Michael and she just has... No, she has nothing else. No, nobody has said to her, you know, we'll 
you know, we can wipe you clean and restore you to how you used to. And even that is like, that's still losing who she is. You know what I mean? There's nothing for her other than basically being Michael's lackey. She has no choice in the matter. At this point, yeah. I mean, and she clearly has these feelings for Jason and she wants this to work. And she basically has thrown her lot in with this like experiment that if it goes bad and it has gone bad, she knows that the only thing it's either stick with Michael or be marbleized. And if I were in her position and Michael was going to actively put them back in a situation where they could get caught again, I thought for sure she was going to like hit him over the head with a pan or something and be like, we can't do this. She may still have super strength, but I don't know. Or whatever, and just be like, we can't do this, and I'm taking over now, and I thought that was going to be the twist. And instead, she was just sort of like, okay, I guess I'll go along with you, and then the door opens up, and then all the humans are like, what is this? Like, I actually would have, I thought it would be interesting if it was like, what happens when Janet is in charge of what they do? Because so many of the theories around the good place like the end game of the good place is that Janet's actually like the one in charge, right? Or becomes the one or in charge. Or becomes the one in yeah. charge. And so because she has so little real agency in the human world, you know, in the good place or the bad place, in the afterlife, let's say, yes, she is entangled with all these humans and stuff, but she also is more powerful than any of them because she has all the knowledge in the universe. Yeah, and and pretty much infinite power in some sense. Right. Whereas here, she's cut off from all of that. It clearly makes her miserable. I just, I think I would have liked to see her start to make some decisions for herself and say, okay, if we're going to live in this, in, in this plane of existence where I don't have my superpowers, I need to have something. And part of her arc is becoming more human and she's kind of in a weird way like a teenager and teenagers rebel right like i think i would have liked to see that rather than just like okay i guess i'll go along with you even when she doesn't agree but that's my whole thing that's what i thought the twist was gonna be i actually want our next theme month to be death month but like comedies about death like um heaven can wait or whatever or that 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 one with Who's who's Marlin in Finding Nemo? Albert Brooks? Yeah, Albert Brooks has a has a movie about like being judged in the afterlife or whatever. Okay, yeah, we can do that. That'd be fun. <laughs> Death month. <laughs> no, I mean, look, I, I don't have a lot. I have nothing glowing to say about these first four episodes. Yeah. I have plenty positive to say because there have been so many good jokes. Um what was that muffin cart called? Oh, we we crumb from a land down under. Right. Like stuff like that where he's just like, yes. Yeah, or like, look, Larry Hemsworth is his, is really funny. Like, you know, the whole and and also like Larry Hemsworth as a character kind of opens up this like whole new life for Tahani and I actually had a moment like that's the goes back to Janet's thing, but Janet's sort of like, why can't we just let them live? Like, that is, I mean, that's a major thing for me of like, if we're going to uproot them again, you are materially harming both Larry and Simone at this point. Right? Like, they are now in these like long-term committed relationships with people who love and depend on them. And if you just rip them out of that, that's incredibly cruel. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a very different situation to say, 
Tahani is isolated and lonely because she's been uh, brought up in a, in a neglectful household and she's never had any real friends because it's always been people who like sycophants who are trying to get close to her sister and she's never really known companionship or or love or anything like that and she finds that with the cockroaches it's also a different thing to say well Chidi has friendships but he like can never get out of his own way to have a meaningful romantic relationship and he finds that with eleanor at some point and so these relationships are you know in the afterlife them finding those kinds of relationships really makes a difference and the same thing with eleanor she's finding her group of people all over again and stuff but to say now in this version of this rewinded timeline where they averted you know michael averted their deaths and chidi has a functional romantic relationship and tahani finally has with the maybe the best human we've ever met on this show yeah agree <laughs> The best human we've met. And then also Tahani, in addition to having friends, has a meaningful romantic relationship that she actually... It feels like she actually really is excited about marrying him. It would have been one thing if it was like, well, I guess I'll do this because, like, what else am I doing? Like, she really... I mean, I've been in ring training. I guess it's time for that me to That was get really married. funny, too. You know, so yeah, you are... If you are ripping them out of this timeline, then you are materially harming people who had no idea that this was going on. And that's rough. That's a rough thing to to have to deal with. Yeah, I mean, to me, it feels like the only direction, and God knows I've been wrong about this show so many times, but it really feels like the only direction that can be gone in at this juncture is the revolution <laughs> direction, where they just basically, uh, you know, like Paradise lost it. <laughs> they just... They tear down the foundations of the afterlife. They 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 remake the point system somehow, which you have something in the notes. I thought this was the only really interesting piece of lore that we learned during this oh, yeah. episode is that they've been talking about the accountants and how the good place and the bad place share accountants. And we're like, what are they? What? Like they, they have, don't have they money. Have money? Like yeah. what is going on here? It turns out the accountants are the ones who keep track of the points. So that so no, all of a sudden starts to make a lot more sense. So no wonder they share an accounting department because accounting right. is actually keeping accounts of people. Yes. Yes. Who would also be very interesting. Gosh, they would be interesting people to meet. You know, I mean, the way that Jen has this neutrality and power that you kind of initially see as charming and then there is some sort of monstrous emptiness that underlies it yeah where she is about to send them all to the bad place and as she's doing that she's showing them that like facebook montage yes. of the time that <laughs> i'm gonna spent. frame that one yeah like where and, and in the accounting department it feels like it must almost be worse because like let's be real what are you doing in the accounting department most of the time you're mostly not following upper middle class people in developed countries, right? I mean, what must it be like to be counting points for people who are, like, escaping war-torn Syria, you know? Like, and I, again, I know this show doesn't really go to that place, really, but it is a show that takes itself, in some sense, very seriously. They do all this yeah. stuff about philosophy, 
they do it correctly. It involves a lot of consultation with, you know, college level, you know, tenured professors of philosophy and ethics and things of that nature. This is a show that wants to be taken seriously. And so I'm taking it seriously. Yeah. And what taking it seriously involves confronting the very real fact that there is a group of sort of omniscient beings who sit in a room all day and watch little children be you know torn apart by guns and and write down bad place you know like that's a real thing that's happening and this accounting department is full of these folks who would i'm sure consider themselves neutral the way that jen does but they are contributing to this unspeakable injustice this global almost universal injustice that is happening to our species although we don't know it right and so yeah i mean look you don't even have to i i agree with you but you don't even have to say like well what about children or what about like refugees or stuff like that i mean you can just say like what about people as Eleanor would say who suck but in a fun chill way like what about people who live normal lives who have families and like a nine-to-five job that they don't hate but they don't love and you know like they're not you know they don't always recycle and they've never done anything special in their lives but they've never done anything horrific but they've never done anything heroic we know for a fact with this point system that those people go to the bad place Yep. So, you know, you can, you don't even have to say like, well, what about these like people who are in special circumstances? You can literally just like, what about all the people? Normal people. What about? I just had an amazing thought. What? Do you did you ever read Sandman? Forever ago. Yeah. Do you remember (laughs) Prince Sandman? Uh, At one point, Lucifer just goes, "Yeah, I'm not going to do this anymore," and he just closes hell, and then. The damned souls just kind of come back to Earth because there's nowhere else for them to go. I don't remember that. It doesn't last super long. I mean, it gets taken care of. DC is very strange with its whole, like, it. you know, like, God is a character and Lucifer's character. But there's a new new Lucifer book coming out, by the way. I saw that at Comic-Con. Oh, great. Yeah. There's a very very poignant little story about a boy at a boarding school who's like miserable and then like a boy who died at that boarding school like comes up from hell because hell's closed and they become Ah, friends that's really funny but i just sort of had the thought of like well what if what if they close what if they like what if their revolution was to free everybody from the bad place what if even though i mean you would have to you know, I guess the accountants probably have the files on everybody who's ever lived and died. So maybe you could make a cutoff that was more realistic. Who where knows, Hitler yeah. still gets to go to the bad place. Yeah, there are some people we genuinely don't want. Right. But like, but can you imagine if they just are like, yeah, we're just going to set them all free. Maybe. <laughs> because we've seen that that you it's not i mean in in the comics you know in in the sandman comics they they, they look kind of like zombies almost i mean it's very sort of scary but we've seen what people look like in the bad place and it's they just look like the way they were when you know they're just like normal people well we haven't seen 
We've seen people in Michael's bad place neighborhood. Where else have we seen people in the bad place? Um, we've seen in the museum. I mean, I guess that might have been portrayals of how they were when they were alive. But like, just you know, yeah. I mean, I guess I guess they could be de- decaying in the real bad place. I kind of don't think so, though. But yeah, what if it's like hell is closed? We've we've closed hell. <laughs> And now all of these people who have, like, everyone who's ever lived is basically just going to pop back into existence. I mean, I think the Earth would spin off its axis at that point, realistically, but I don't know, man. They've got it. I feel like they have to be swinging for the fences because, yeah. because this, you know, they're basically, you know, they're shaking the bat over their shoulder, getting themselves geared up to, you know, swing at the big pitch because otherwise, what have we been doing for four episodes? Yeah, that's a great point. Like, there's got to be something, like, Earth-shattering. Earth, yeah, li- possibly literally earth-shattering yes. <laughs> coming around the uh, the corner. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree. And we also, we didn't see Sean at all this episode, but, like, th- you know, the question that has been asked by us and by characters in the show is, like, what's the big deal about these four humans? And it might be, like, these are the humans to undo everything that we've built. That's very Philip Pullman, right? That there's yes. like a prophecy. Yep. That this that this is gonna be what is it? What, damn it, what's the what's the what's the prophecy about Lyra? I'm gonna Google that. She's Mother Eve. Yeah, but she, she's gonna she's gonna like rebuild heaven, basically. She's gonna like tear down Destined to bring about the end of destiny. That's there you the go. prophecy about Lyra. That's some... Right, so maybe maybe Jason Mendoza Could is, you desti- imagine? is destined to bring about the end of destiny. And you know how he would do that, too. He would just, like, throw a Molotov cocktail at everything and be and like, portals. Yep. He would do it. Of course he would do it. He <laughs> Without understanding what he was doing. He doesn't know the difference. He's the simple child. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I think they have to be gearing up for something that is way more consequential than what we've seen so far. Because what we've seen so far is like, been okay. Uh, it hasn't been the good place at its A game. But I'm, you know, I'm certainly not giving up. I think that we've got a lot more to go. So I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope that whatever comes next is... I also hope that, like, you know, Simone is okay. Like, I know. You've got me really worried about her now. Please don't take the easy way out and, like, kill Simone off. Please don't do that. (laughs) Please. This doesn't seem like that kind of show, but... No, it doesn't. It would give a really dark cast to something that is already pretty dark if you think about it too hard. Right. (laughs) Which is, like, basically what we do professionally. Yes, or avocationally, shall we say? Yes, avocationally. Good, well, well stated. Reviews. Yeah, I mean, basically, they basically agreed with us. Yeah, they were like, "What's going on here?" A little freighter on the edges. You know, the humans are happier, but like Michael's kind of losing it. Uh, everything we've talked about already. Um, one of the writers said something that could be tripping me up a bit emotionally. I've spent two seasons and change with these characters, but they've spent much less time together from their point of view. So the, the plot resets keep wiping out some of the character progress. I mean, we've talked about that too. Yeah. 
It's been really hard this time around. Yeah, especially watching Eleanor, like, lose her shirt at the party and just be like, Happy St. Plumington's Day! Like, <laughs> ruin the cake and stuff. It's like, come on, this is this is stuff that she should have gotten over. We've seen her get over this before, so I think that's it's fatiguing a little bit to, like, watch her act out in this way when we know she's capable of better. So, you know, hopefully she will be pretty soon well next week is jeremy bear me which is that is that the is that the bear the the blake no, bortles bear bortles well the, i don't know next week is jeremy bear me and it was written by megan amram so we've don't, got our don't let us down megan <laughs> we've got our we amram episode I just one little thing from Darcy Carden. She did a profile or Jezebel did a profile of her and it was basically just an interview with her, which I thought was really, you know, most of it was just about acting and coming up in Upright Citizens Brigade and all that kind of stuff. And she has nothing but wonderful things to say about the whole cast and especially Maya Rudolph. Um, But one of the things I liked that she said was... um, the woman, or I'm assuming it was a woman doing the profile, asked her, do you think it's weird that Siri and Alexa and, like, all these assistants are, are always women? Like, are always a her? And she says, I do. We should be asking some 40-year-old white man to do our bidding. That's what we should be doing. Yeah, we should be like, Brad, Brad, <laughs> Brad, turn on my music, Brad. I thought that was great. I was like... <laughs> that's that's pretty solid. Yeah. <laughs> and the woman is like, yeah, I can get behind that, so... Uh, I just thought that was funny. Brad. Brad. Uh, anything else? No. I, I'm just looking, I'm looking at the schedule for the remainder of the calendar year. It looks like we're going to have an episode next week mm-hmm. and the one after and then the one after that. And then my money is that we're done till January. <laughs> Woo! So, it's going to be death month, basically, maybe in November. (laughs) Because I think the last episode of this calendar year is going to be November 1st. Really? Yep. Oh, Lord. I know. I, you know, just when I thought I was out of the game. (laughs) Pull me right back in. I cannot watch any more Ted Danson movies from the early 90s. (laughs) I'm not asking you to. Unless one of them is about someone being dead and being judged in the afterlife. So are like, we watching Ghost? What are we watching for Death Month? I would watch Ghost. I would no, absolutely I was... watch Ghost. I, I forget I forget what the Albert Brooks movie is. Oh, it's called Defending Your Life. I remember. Never seen it. It's supposed to be like a kind of a hidden gem. Casper? Ca- Ca- no, not Casper. <laughs> I hate that movie. Well, you do? Why? I don't want a dead child oh, hanging out. I, I know. He was adorable, though. I had such a, I had a oh, moment. the human version of him, not the CGI yeah, ghost oh, version. Uh, no, obviously. <laughs> I had a moment with Kate and another one of our friends where all three of us at the same time admitted that we had a huge crush growing up on the kid who played Casper, like the human version of him when he comes down to like <laughs> dance with Christina Ricci. It's basically like, I love that human Casper and that animated Dimitri from the Anastasia movie. Like those are, that's basically those are very it. particular time to have been born and grown up as a little girl in America. Those, yes. those are your like, those are the your cute stones. childhood crushes. <laughs> and uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, let's not forget. <laughs> JTT. JTT. 
Um, oh, yeah, boy. we can. We'll find some movies about the afterlife. <laughs> you know, death and all. Oof. Well, we've got another month. I, we've got another few weeks at least. I know it's. It feels like it. Just feels like everything has just moved so fast. Much like the, much like the <laughs> the time jump in this episode this week. I know. I'm starting to feel a little bit sweaty myself. Yes, like Michael is a little extra. <laughs> <sighs> oh gosh okay well you know till next time oh, happy St. Ploopington's Day <laughs> we will see you next time ding dong knock knock knocking on heaven's door knock knock knocking on heaven's door knock knock knocking on heaven's door No, you have to say bye-bye. No, you can't wave. They can't see you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Good job.